going to start with uh, verse 1. Now when Jesus and the disciples drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, uh, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. A lot of times today, I think a lot of people, particularly in the West, have been raised on some kind of easy form of Christianity. That somehow, if I'm a Christian... Uh, then everything's going to go well for me. I, I think that began to happen a lot for a lot of people, probably back in the, in the 1960s and the 1970s, when other religions started coming up and, and other activities started happening on Sunday. And so a lot of people began to think, okay, people are leaving the church, so how do we keep people in the church or get more people in the church? I know we'll, we'll kind of sell them on the church, that, that coming to the church and being part of church and, and being a committed Christian is going to be good for you. That somehow we, we tap into what Benjamin Franklin said, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And we say, well, you know, if you get to be a Christian quickly, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and, and everything's going to be fine for you. And, and that actually has never been the case. When you look throughout history, uh, being a Christian has always been a demanding kind of thing. It's never been easy to walk by faith, as we've been talking the last few months. Uh, it's never been easy to live by faith. Uh, in very few times in history, in very few places in history, have people found it unchallenging to do so. And frankly, most of the times in those places, people never really lived to the fullest of their life in Jesus Christ. The real challenge is for us, that if we are going to walk by faith, our faith 
will make demands of us. Our faith makes demands. Now remember, we've been talking about faith, and we've said that Christian faith is choosing to trust and to act, often beyond our natural ability, based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways, founded in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what faith is all about. And if we are really walking by that faith, that faith will make serious demands on our lives. We will see certain things begin to happen in our lives because we are walking by faith, and not all of those things will be easy for us. And we see a lot of these issues in, on Palm Sunday when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Uh, I love all the things that happen there and how Matthew relates that story. It's in all four Gospels. But I love how Matthew relates that story. And of all people, we know that Jesus and his disciples were people who were walking by faith. In fact, Jesus himself is our example of what it means to walk by faith, to live by faith. Uh, it was all around Jesus, and Jesus taught us much about faith, uh, many things that we're going to be looking at after Easter uh, when it comes to faith. And so Jesus was walking by faith. His disciples were walking by faith. And you can really begin to see on Palm Sunday condensed together all the various kinds of demands that walking by faith makes on us. Our faith is rather demanding. It is not easy. But by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk by faith. But let's look at some of these demands because we need to expect these things. We need to look for these things. And most importantly, we must not be offended when some of these things happen to us. The first thing we learn, here they are. They're coming into Jerusalem and walking by faith demands that we take risks. Jesus says to his disciples, he says to a couple of the disciples, okay, go into the village ahead of you and you're going to find a couple of animals tied up and get those animals and bring them back to me. Uh, and if he, he says in, I believe it's Luke's account, and if somebody asks you about this, you know, just say, well, the Lord has need of them. Uh, we sometimes miss how risky that is. I mean, imagine somebody has just bought a brand new Lamborghini and the guy has not even driven the Lamborghini yet. And all of a sudden, somebody walks up to the guy and says, hey, uh, I need to borrow your car. The Lord has need of it. Yeah, right. What Lord are you talking about? Get out of my face. And then suppose we got in the car and started to drive off with this brand new car that's never been driven before. You can imagine how the person might respond. I doubt that it would be probably a, oh, sure, take it for a test drive. You'll enjoy it a lot. Just bring it back when you're done with it. You know, that generally doesn't happen. So when Jesus tells the disciples, go and do this equivalent, that's a risky thing. That's a risky thing to do. But faith demanded that they be willing to take that risk. And then connected with that, we see that faith demands our resources faith makes claim on our resources you see that with the guy that that owned the two animals there's a demand that's placed there 
And this guy, it seems to be, from all accounts, we don't know this exactly, but it seems that this person was probably a follower of Jesus, who knew about Jesus, maybe somebody that God had spoken to him earlier today, by the way, you're going to have a couple strangers come and ask you for your Lambo, so give it to them. You know, something like that might have happened. We don't know exactly, but we do know that the person responded in faith and released his resources for the use of the Lord. That's a demanding thing. Most of us would rather keep all of our resources. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people like the idea of tithing. You know, because in tithing, as many people understand it, all I have to do is give God 10% and I get to keep 90%. But actually what the scriptures tell us, tithing is a biblical principle, but what the scripture tells us is we give everything to God. We surrender it all to Him. And sometimes... He lets us use the 90%, but not always, because it all belongs to him. And giving the 10% is just a token, it's just an indicator that everything belongs to him. It's not like a tax where we give the government a bit and and the government lets us, us keep the rest. A tithe is a gift to God, it's a commitment to the Lord that declares everything belongs to you, and I'm giving you this 10% just to show you that. So if we're going to walk by faith, it makes demands on our resources. Makes demands on our resources. And then the next thing we learn here is that walking by faith requires a response. We can't be passive. The people that lined the streets, they had to make a response if they were going to go by faith. And so they responded. How did they respond? They responded by cutting down palm branches and laying those on the road. Some of them put their cloaks on the road. This was a a reaction that people understood. This is how you treated a king. And when they say to Jesus, Hosanna to the son of David, what they are saying is that Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the one who has come. You are the one who deserves to be on the throne. Faith required a response. They couldn't sit passively by. They couldn't, do, they couldn't choose to do nothing. They had to respond in a positive way. And if they hadn't responded in a positive way, then there was no faith there. So their faith demanded a response. And then Jesus comes in, and what does he go do next? He goes into the temple, and he upsets the tables in the temple, Uh, those who are selling pigeons. You think, okay, what, what was Jesus doing there? The reason he did this is that there were required sacrifices. Uh, And some, some merchants had set themselves up to sell the required sacrifices at an exorbitant price. Uh, To get an equivalent, you might think, say that you had to give money here at City Temple, you had to give money in euros, Uh, that's the only way we would take donations, and if you're going to be pleasing to God, you had to give money here. Now, we don't often understand that connection, but but that was a requirement, so you have to give money, and you have to give money in in euros, and and so say that uh, uh, Federico, you know, he's from Spain, so he knows euros, so he set up a business in, in the foyer that says, hey, I will exchange your pounds for euros. So uh, for, for every euro, you give me two pounds. That's a pretty good deal. And that's the kind of thing for him, <laughs> not for us. 
Uh, and that's the kind of thing they were doing. They take something that was very inexpensive and charge big prices for it to get because people had to offer these sacrifices in the temple. They had to do it this way. And so Jesus comes in and he overturns the tables, you know, and that's why he says, you know, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves, a den of robbers. And what we see here is that faith makes demands by overturning the established order. Faith makes demands by overturning the established order. This was something that everybody accepted as just normal. And in this case, it was a sinful order. Sometimes it's not necessarily sinful. Sometimes it's just something that's gone on too long that needs to be overturned. But understand, when your faith leads you to overturn the established order, whether it's in your life, or it's in the church, or it's in the, in the country... There are people who are not happy about that. There are people who get upset. There are people who like the things the way they are. They don't like to change. They don't like for things to be any different. And the funny thing is that so often we think that, okay, we won't be those people. We will be the kind of people that would be happy to change the established order. And that sounds good until you're the person who is the established order. And then you're really not happy when someone does that. Or sometimes faith will do that in our lives. Sometimes we're, we're used to the way that we live. I remember when I was a, a, a young minister, uh, I, I've never been an early riser. My first job was in a cinema, and that meant that a lot of times I didn't get home till 1 or 2 in the morning. Uh, and so it was very late night, and I got used to that pattern of staying up late and getting up a little bit later. In school, I, high school, I had to get up early, but I never liked it. My body never, was never happy about it. And so I, I would be happy to get up and pray at a very convenient hour. And I remember the time the Lord spoke to me and said, Rod, I want you to start getting up at 6 a.m. every day and pray for at least an hour. I'm like, huh? Get up every day, 6 a.m., pray for at least an hour. Is that you, God? You sure? And I did, and I had to. Uh, and that was the beginning. You know, now I like to pray for two to three hours a day. Uh, I still don't like getting up early in the mornings, by the way. But the Lord's been waking me up earlier and earlier, uh, which I, I count as a blessing. Uh, but God was upsetting my established order, and I had to change. And we all have things where we like things the way they are and we don't want them to change, but God says, no, I'm going to upset this. And faith makes demands. It demands sometimes that the established order gets upset. Next thing we need to understand about walking by faith is that walking by faith demands that we help those who are in need, even when it's not really convenient. Notice what's happened here. Jesus goes there, he turns over everything, he's in the temple, and look what it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Now there might have been a lot of other things that Jesus wanted to do at that moment in time. 
I don't think that he went with the trumpet and said, hey, all blind and lame people, come and gather to me. I think they probably heard that Jesus, who, who's, the, uh, who's got the power of the Holy Spirit working through him, is healing the sick. He's here. And so they all, because they would all gather around the temple, that's where they would beg for their living. And so they heard Jesus was there. And so they all come packing in. I mean, these are people who are, are not, you know, not the best dressed people. They didn't smell very nice. Uh, they weren't the religious good people. Uh, they were really people on the margins, on the edge. And notice what it said. Jesus responded and he healed them all. I've said for years to the Lord here at City Temple and even before City Temple, I said, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll take anybody that you send us. Anybody that you send us. And look what I got. <laughs> a great group of people, I might say. I'm sorry, I... Had to take a drink of water there. A wonderful group of people. Oh. But I tell you, there's been times in the past when, when it seemed like, and, and those of you who've been here for a while, you understand, there have been times in the past when it seems like we were attracting a lot of really crazy, strange people. I mean, I remember we had God in our lift one day. Uh, he was a big guy, uh, and uh, he started yelling at one of the women in the church, uh, get out of my church. You're in my church. And so I got in the lift with him. The, thankfully, it was working those days. And, uh, and we came down because he was on the top floor. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. And you're in my church. Get out of my church. Uh, so uh, I, I remember the time when we had the guy uh, who came in about halfway through the sermon. He sat back where, where the gap is. That's not why we put the gap there. But he sat back where the gap is. And that's okay. You know, people walk in late all the time. But he walks in, and, and after a couple sentences, he stands up and he takes off his coat. Okay, that's fine. Sits back down. Uh, and after another moment or two, he stands up and he takes off his shirt. Okay, it's a little strange. Uh, so he sits back down. After another moment or two, he stands up and he starts to take off his trousers. And that's when a couple of the guys in the church said, no, let's go on out. <laughs> and helped him outside. Uh, so we've had a, some adventures here at City Temple, just let me say. So I, I did amend my prayer. It's probably why most of you are here. I did amend my prayer uh, a few years ago, and I said, God, I will take anybody that you send me, but could you send me a few more normal people? So there you are. I'm glad that you guys uh, answered that call and showed up. Uh, but, you know, faith will make demands on us this way. Faith makes demands. We don't always choose our friends when we're walking by faith. We don't always choose the people that we're hanging out with. People will make demands on us that we respond to because we are walking by faith. Faith demands that we reach out and respond to those in need because if we're walking by faith, I guarantee you, you will attract needy people to your life. Don't be surprised when it happens. Just expect it. Just set good, healthy boundaries like Jesus did. Remember, Jesus had to get away from time to time. Uh, there were times when he retreated. There were times when he locked himself away or when he went to a mountain. Uh, just remember, set healthy boundaries, but know that that's going to happen because faith makes demands on you in that way. Understand as well that if you are walking by faith it will raise indignation in other people around you. It's exactly what happened with Jesus and the Pharisees. He's there. The little kids were saying, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! 
You know, and they, they were having a party. They were having a good time. That's why, that's one of the reasons why I love having our kids, you know, just really enjoy themselves when we're worshiping and stuff, and I don't mind when they move around and stuff. I love that, you know, uh, it, especially when they're responding to the Lord as many times as they do. Uh, I mean, it's a, a really cool thing, and that's what happened around Jesus and, and all the Pharisees saying, well, hey, you know, don't you hear what they're saying? Don't you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said, well, yeah, but that's what the scripture says, out of the mouths of Young children, you've ordained praise. What else can you expect? But I tell you, if you're walking by faith, it will make a demand that you endure the indignation of other people, just like Jesus did. And I guarantee you, if you're really walking by faith, there will be people around you who get indignant. Might be somebody at work, and you, you just don't understand. Why, why are they picking on you? It might be because they perceive Jesus in you and they're indignant because Jesus is there. Sometimes I've been in contexts where people get really indignant because my presence brings conviction of sin on their lives. It's not that I say, oh, you're in sin, you know, repent. I don't generally do that. Uh, or if I do do that, it's usually to a Christian, not to a non-Christian. Uh, but, uh, but just our presence sometimes convicts other people of sin. And people don't like that. And so people get indignant when that starts to happen. They get angry. They want to hurt you. They want to offend you. They want to do something. Sometimes uh, that indignation manifests as somebody just trying to provoke you. you know, so they'll use Jesus' name as a swear word. Uh, or they'll tell some kind of off-color joke. Uh, or they'll do something like that because they perceive Christ in you and they want to get at you. They want you to respond in an angry way. Because if you respond in an angry way, then they'll say, well, you're not like Jesus at all. Because we see here, Jesus didn't respond in an angry way. He was pretty cool about it. He was pretty straightforward about it. He wasn't afraid of their indignation. And he was very honest in what he did. But we can expect that if we're walking by faith, it will demand that we respond in a godly way to the indignation rising up in other people. And walking by faith finally has really probably a demand and a blessing. Walking by faith demands that we align ourselves with Scripture. It's very powerful here, and Matthew was very intentional about this, more so than some of the others, but uh, Matthew here repeatedly refers, or Jesus refers, and Matthew records it, uh, repeatedly refers to Old Testament scripture passages that are fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jesus lived his life in a way that was consistent with the Bible, and Jesus lived his life in a way that was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. And as we walk by faith, as we live by faith, it demands that we align ourselves with Scripture. But here's the blessing. As we walk by faith, we will naturally begin to align ourselves with Scripture. It's not a works kind of thing. Most of the time, when you look at Jesus' life, I don't think Jesus set out to say, okay, here are the Bible passages that I need to fulfill. There's no indicator of that. Uh, in fact, we know that he couldn't have done that because one of the Bible passages that he had to fulfill was the place where he was born. 
And I don't know about you, but I wasn't able to pick where I was going to be born. I just kind of popped out, and there I was. And that's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus didn't, you know, he wasn't in the womb saying, Hey, Mom, Mom, we've got to go to Bethlehem. I've got to be born there. There was none of that happening. They just ended up in Bethlehem by the sovereign direction of the Lord. And he fulfilled the scriptures, and that was happening all throughout his life. Occasionally, like he did in this passage, he would refer to scriptures where he was living out the fulfillment of those. But time after time, he didn't set out to fulfill the scriptures. He just knew that his life was fulfilling the scriptures. And that's the same with us. If we walk by faith in our lives, God will work in our lives to see that we are naturally aligning ourselves with the scriptures and that we will naturally live out the fulfillment of those scriptures. And for the most part, that is a blessing. But understand as well, the scripture tells us that we're going to suffer. Understand as well that the scripture tells us that we are going to go through some of the same things that Jesus himself went through. And in a sense, even that is encouraging. Because not that I want to suffer, and not that I want any of you to suffer, no matter how mad you make me. You never make me mad. Not that I want any of us to suffer, but the reality is, when I'm struggling, it is a confirmation to me of what the Bible says. I don't understand why there's such evil in the world. I don't understand how all of that works. I, can give, I have some theories about it, but my theories don't explain everything. But what I do know is that the Bible tells me that there's going to be evil in the world and that that is going to increase in the days before Jesus comes. So when I see an increase, I realize I'm living through the fulfillment of scriptures and that increases my faith. It does not diminish my faith. So it's a blessing. Walking by faith does demand that we align our lives with the scriptures, but as we walk by faith, God will ensure that our lives are aligned with his will that our lives are aligned with the scriptures, that our lives are positioned to receive the blessings that he has promised, and that our lives are aligned to the fulfillment of his purposes in our lives and in the world around us. And we have this confidence, and we have this confidence because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And dying on the cross, it seemed like Jesus had lost. It seemed like that all the promises he was living in, all the promises that had been spoken over his life, that they all had come to naught. That all the hopes and dreams of the disciples that somehow Jesus would be the promised Messiah and would live out that reality, that somehow all those hopes and dreams were completely obliterated, dashed on the ground. But we know the rest of the story. Even in that dark, dark moment, God had a plan. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Walking by faith is worth everything. And Jesus has made the way for us to do it. And Jesus has shown us that we can walk by faith in spite of all of its demands and know that God's promises will be fulfilled to the glory of Jesus 
in us individually and corporately as we do so. Father God, I pray that you would show us how every single day we can walk by faith to an increasing measure. Lord, position our hearts right now so that we will accept the demands of walking by faith on our lives. Position our minds so that we will understand the demands of walking by faith. Position our spirits so that we will have the hope of the fulfillment of walking by faith. Position our wills so that we will choose to walk by faith anew every single day. Help us to live that life, walking by faith, in a way that's pleasing and honoring to you, just as Jesus did. For we love you, and we exalt you, and we thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.